Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you that are here with us already today and those of you who are at home online. We're actually kind of changing up the order just a little bit. We're going to be uh, sharing another song towards the end of service today. But uh, for right now, I'd love for you to get your Bibles and, uh, or you know, open your phones and uh, turn to Daniel chapter 4. I'm going to be kind of telling you the story, but reading a couple of verses of Scripture from Daniel chapter 4 in just a few moments. Now, if you were uh, with us online or if you were here last week, you know that we had a video that I shared with you guys about the things that were coming up for one of our own, one of the people that is a part of our church body and has been for a long time. His name is Gordon Hetz, and uh, he is a guy who has actually uh, kind of been affected by this coronavirus in a way that uh, most of us can totally understand, especially if you've paid for uh, gas recently, you know that the oil industry has uh, taken a big hit and a lot of things have changed. He was working out in West Texas and uh, was actually doing really well, uh, but unfortunately for about about six years, he has needed a surgery, an elective surgery officially. Um, but honestly, it's not really that elective. It's one of those things where he's in constant pain and needs to get some relief. It's nothing uh, too tremendous, but it is one of those things that only gets cured and fixed by surgery. And so I just wanted to share a little bit, as I told you that I would last week, about a few bits more about how God has been moving in this situation. So uh, a few weeks and months back, um, Gordon had gotten in touch with me, told me a little bit about what he had need of. And in the process of that, we talked talked about what we might be able to do, and we didn't necessarily have any answers. If you've ever had a surgery, elective or otherwise, you know that no matter what, it is an expensive proposition. It is a very expensive thing. And uh, unfortunately, in Gordon's situation, about the time that he got vested in his insurance, he got incredibly busy and was here for usually less than a day or two before he was being called back out to West Texas. And so he had time and, and no money, and then he had money and no time. I don't know if you guys can totally identify, but I know I can totally identify with that. And so here is what happened. Unfortunately, Gordon got laid off, and uh, he was able to um, kind of look around and search and do some ministry activities. And what was amazing about that was, as Gordon was searching to be a blessing in the midst of the difficulties that he was facing, he didn't go inward, he looked outward, which is a beautiful thing. And as a matter of fact, as Gordon looked outward, he got connected with a ministry that was feeding homeless people over on uh, the east side of town where he now lives. And uh, that particular uh, ministry, he began to talk a little bit about how he'd like to help even more physically, but he's not able to, and he told him the reason why. As he began to search about that, I shared this a little bit with you a few months ago. Um, the person that is in charge of that particular ministry, the pastor there uh, that has uh, been running that farm that grows vegetables and fruits and food for those who are a little less fortunate or going through difficult times, he put him in touch with a guy that he knew personally. His name was Dr. No. And no, it's not N-O, it is G-N-O. And uh, Dr. No is one of the best hernia specialists in all of Houston, Texas. 
And so he did, agreed that he would be able to do uh, Gordon's surgery for him. But the problem is, is that at times, uh, maybe you have identified with this, you also have the anesthesiologist to pay for, you also have the surgery suite to pay for, and even though Dr. No, who's making a whole lot of money uh, per uh, surgery, sorry Dr. No if you're watching this, uh, but we know that the doctors get paid fairly well at any time they're doing surgery, um, he agreed to give all of his time and expertise for free, but we still needed different things having to do with where we'd have the surgery, the surgery tech that would be there, the anesthesiologist, and those types of things. Well, what has been amazing to watch is how God has been kind of fitting and moving pieces together. Dr. No said he was able to secure a spot, but unfortunately, the only thing that he could do was he could say, I, I'm, I'm in the Memorial Hermann group, and so because of that, um, I have to have somebody who's approved with their credentials by Memorial Hermann. Well, what we did not know when I told you this story a few months back is, is that one of our very own people here in this church body, Elijah Baldwin, a surgery tech, had just moved from Texas Women's where he and Karen Baldwin, our, one of our singers, uh, had been working uh, in the same place. He had just moved and begun to work a couple weeks before at, you guessed it, Memorial Hermann. And so he was pre-approved to be able to help. I told Gordon on the telephone, hey man, I know that we got a surgery tech in our church and let me just kind of visit with him and see if he's got the time, if he's got the ability to do that. And so what was so awesome was as I spoke to Elijah, he said, oh man, are you kidding me? I know Dr. No, I've got his phone number. I can speak to him directly. I'll give him a call and talk to him about this whole thing. And so it has been a beautiful thing to see how from one side of Houston to the other side of Houston and then back again to from our church body, from another person that did not know the connections that could be made. God has been at work in this entire thing. And I know that I've been encouraging some of you. I mentioned to you last week that you could give to that uh, if you'd like to help Gordon with some of the surgery costs that he's had to pay and pick up. We have been blessed tremendously, and what should cost tens and tens of thousands of dollars is costing thousands of dollars, and it is a huge savings and a big, big deal and a big move of God. And so if you would like to participate in that, I know for me personally, uh, I heard from at least four different households from the EHC community that you'd like to be involved and like to be a part of meeting those needs. If you would like to, you can go online and you can uh, look for the fund that is named Love Off, um, pardon me, it's just named Gordon, and uh, you can just uh, make that uh, in addition to your tithes and offerings, or if you'd like to write a check and send that to our P.O. box, uh, you know you can find that on our website. You can get involved and be a part of helping to meet some needs for someone who's been affected by coronavirus, but can I just say something? I normally don't talk about this stuff very much because this is between you and the Lord. But you know, even after Gordon lost his job, Gordon has been faithful to support this ministry and others as well as other people. He has given away money that he ceased to have coming in. And I just uh, think that that kind of uh, faithfulness is the kind of thing that God, uh, he tends to reward that. And so I know for my own self, and I'm speaking for my own house, I'm excited to be able to be a blessing to a man who's already been a huge blessing, not just here in this church, but many other places. So um, y'all forgive me for maybe speaking a little bit out of turn. I don't normally bring that up. You probably haven't ever heard me 
bring that up. And Gordon didn't even know that I was going to say that. But I do want to call attention to somebody who has a giving heart. And it sure does feel good to be able to give to a giver. And so I'm excited about sharing that. All right. Well, as we continue and as we go on and as we bring to a close, changing the world in changing times. Today is the final message from this teaching series. And I just want to take a minute uh, and just say thank you so much to Peter Robinson for taking the opportunity uh, to, to preach for us. It is always a blessing whenever I go away. I know that as Peter comes to this pulpit, he comes prepared and he comes prayed up and he comes with a message that the Lord has given him. And uh, it is all always one that blesses people's hearts. I hear from you all the time that Peter's words are a blessing to you, and I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much, Peter, for being a blessing and being a part of things last week. Last week, we actually were able to be up in Oklahoma uh, spending some time with my daughter Tatum as she kind of wraps up an internship, and then we were able yesterday to be at a surprise birthday party for my dad's 80th birthday. And so um, I really appreciate uh, having that time. I'm off, but I'm excited to be back with you here today as we share around God's Word. Now, let me just kind of tell you guys very quickly. Um, I do want to mention to you again that that um, uh, Eric had mentioned just a few moments ago, and I actually want to go to slide number four and put this up. This is actually a booklet that I'm going to be ordering for those of you who are a part of uh, that Revelation Bible study that's going to be held on Zoom. You'll get information about that over the next couple of days uh, via your email inbox, and if you are going to be a part of that, please let me know because I'm going to be ordering books for all of the people that are going to be involved. It's not very expensive. They're just little pamphlets, but they are very, very helpful. And I want to just make sure that you are a part of that and that I get you the resources that are going to help you in the long run. So we are just coming over uh, the book of Daniel and finishing up that study that we had in the book of Daniel. And yes, Daniel is one of those great uh, chapter, uh, great books of the Bible and many chapters with some incredibly familiar stories that you've heard. The three Hebrew children that have been thrown into the fiery furnace or Daniel who is thrown into the lion's den uh, and on and on um, the different uh, stories that you see in the book of Daniel. But today, I want to focus on Daniel chapter 4, which is actually uh, one of my very favorite uh, parts of that particular book. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to share a little bit of the history and a little bit of the background so you understand it a little bit better. And so you're able to kind of bring out some of the things that you can see in the scripture and see how much they apply to us. Now, you guys know that we're dealing with the coronavirus. You guys know that a lot of things are happening on the, on the social front with the Black Lives Matter and the, the way that things are changing culturally in our nation and in our world. And truth be told, because of many of the changes that are being made, we can feel like everything that has been is no longer true and everything that we've faced today has never been faced before and you know we can get ourselves a little worried and a little worked up and forget that God is always in control but a book like Daniel reminds us that no matter what God wins and because of that we can have faith and trust and hope in everything and beyond all things we can actually have peace in the midst of changing times I know that 
Peter talked last week about the the concept of worship and finding our peace at the feet of God. And that is so important and so vital. And part of the reason that we can have peace is because we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not surprised by all the changes that are going on. And so we don't need to be worried because we already know who's in control and we already know who wins. But in Daniel chapter 4, you can kind of see a man who is not close to God. His name is Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he is the king of the Babylonian Empire. And so you see the story of Nebuchadnezzar that begins in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And as you see his story, you realize that Daniel is right there. He's kind of like a right-hand man for King Nebuchadnezzar. Anytime he finds himself up against uh, the difficulties that he cannot figure out on his own or no one else has the answer, he goes to Daniel knowing that Daniel... Daniel is a man uh, that God is very close to and speaks very clearly to. And so in Daniel chapter 4, I'm going to do something that sometimes I will do. Stay with me here. I'm going to eventually pick up in Daniel chapter 4 verse 28 and read a few passages of scripture, maybe about 9 or 10 verses. But first let me kind of tell you the story. And I, I, I put a visual here, and this is obviously not exactly what was seen. But if you see this view of a giant tree standing up and above all of these other smaller trees, this is kind of the vision that we see that Nebuchadnezzar had. The Bible tells us that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him in Daniel chapter 4. And y'all, I'm not going to be quoting from the Bible. Uh, I'm going to be giving you the New Texas version, okay? So you guys can kind of follow along and kind of understand the story. The man had the, the dream, and in this dream, there was a big, huge tree that was growing up taller than all the others and could be seen from the ends of the earth. But then Nebuchadnezzar says, but it's almost as if, and this is my own head, but it's almost as if from off screen you hear a voice calling out and it says, let that tree be cut down and let the stump remain and let it be bound with iron but left in the ground until there is a humbleness, until seven times pass over that tree. Let me explain that a little later on, but for right now just know that the the word times there or seven... uh, the seven times is speaking about just a segment or a portion of time. We'll talk a little bit more about it later on. Well, here is something that we grasp and understand. Um, we understand that God is speaking to mankind and he's always doing that. Never forget that it got, if God is not speaking, it's probably not because he's gone silent. It's because you and I have ceased to listen. And so because of that, when we get tuned into his frequency, when we slow down enough, as we've been talking about over these last couple of weeks, when we allow the worry of a changing world to fade into the distance and we begin to focus on the God who is still in control, we understand that God has not ceased to speak. He is still speaking to this day and he still wants to connect and communicate with mankind can I get an amen here in the house today amen and so the truth is is that God wants to connect with you and with me he even wanted to connect with Nebuchadnezzar the king of the Babylonian empire the most powerful man in the world at that time but also a non-believer as far as a person who followed and worshiped God not the one true God now let me be very clear about this 
Let's, let's just kind of grasp this very quickly. This is your something to learn. Daniel was taken prisoner. He was taken as a slave when he was just a child, at the very most a young teenager. But he maintained influence within the Babylonian Empire and then even into the Medo-Persian Empire with three different kings, two separate empires over about 65 plus years. That is the kind of man who has influence that changes the world. He's literally in the presence of the most powerful people in the world, and he is there as a spokesman for God. And Daniel served, and I want to just kind of talk about how Daniel served. He served Nebuchadnezzar, who was the Babylonian king, from 605 on forward. He served Belshazzar, who was another Babylonian king, who ended his reign in 539. And then he served Darius. And by the way, I'd rather personally be a guy who has the names of the Medo-Persian Empire, because that's a whole lot easier to spell, a whole lot fewer Zs. Can I get an amen, right? Okay, so the truth is, is that Darius from the Medo-Persian Empire started ruling in 539 BC, and he was also a man who leaned on Daniel there in the city of Babylon. It is no surprise if you look at Daniel's life and his characteristics that he was a man who is changing in a changing world. He is a perfect picture as the world began to change and shift and one king gave way to another king, gave way to another king, gave way to another empire, he stood there and stood the test of time as God gave him opportunity. He spoke forth the word of God and it is him standing and changing his world even though his world is changing around him. And so because of that, we can learn as we kind of put a bow on this series something great from Daniel. So let's go back to this dream of the big tree that Nebuchadnezzar had. It's very interesting because I love the way that Daniel, even though he's speaking to the most powerful man on earth, he is not afraid because he has been in the presence of the most powerful being in the universe. He has been in the presence of God, so he is not afraid to stand there. But as he speaks about the giant tree, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, just tell me the truth. Man, don't be worried. Don't let this bother you. Don't worry about it. Just give it to me straight. Like I said, that's the New Texas version, okay? So here's what Daniel says. Well, O king, if only I could tell you that this had something to do with your enemies. But unfortunately, O king, this dream applies to you. You, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the tree. You have grown up and you have been so powerful that you can be seen from the ends of the earth. You have gone beyond what everybody else has gone beyond in power and prestige and wealth and, and respect. But unfortunately, King, you have forgotten that it is God that puts you in this position and that he can just as quickly take it away from you as he gave it to you. And so if, let's just hit pause real quick. We all know people who don't like to be reminded that they're not actually in control of everything, right? And I, I'll be honest with you, I bet you I'm speaking to some of you who don't like to be reminded that you're not actually able to control everything. But the truth of the matter is, is that God alone is in control of everything. It is not ours, and we shouldn't be relaxed all the time and say, ah, oh, it's not important because it's nothing to be concern, uh, concerned about and nothing to be controlled. No, it's not like that. But there are times where we butt up against the sovereignty of God and we realize that, you know what, I've done all I can, but it's still in God's hands and God's hands alone. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar did not have that view. 
But unfortunately, he has a, a curse that is a warning and that is a prophecy, but I believe that it's something that God reveals to him so that he can change his course of action if he so chooses. And as a matter of fact, as we look at this, we understand that Daniel speaks to him and he says, O king, you heard their, uh, the voice from off screen and you heard them say, let him be driven away from man. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him eat grass like the oxen. Let his nails grow like, uh, like the claws of an eagle. Let his hair grow like the feathers uh, on a bird. And let him have seven times pass over him until he realizes and grasps that he rules at the authority of heaven and heaven alone. And so he goes on, and as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about this. And actually, let's just go ahead and jump there. I, I know I'm going a little bit out of script and off script here, um, uh, the ones who are running the thing uh, in the back. But let's go to Daniel chapter 6. Um, I believe it might be Daniel chapter 4, verse 26. That's on slide 24. Um, let's take a look at that. Here's what Daniel says. He says, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom is going to be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. And then Daniel goes a little further. That's where the prophecy ends, but this is where Daniel steps in and says his own piece. He says, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Now, hold on. Hold on just a second. I don't know about you, but I don't even like giving bosses advice whenever I've got a boss, right? I don't want to say... Therefore, let me give you my advice since you did not ask for it, right? I mean, we understand that's not easy to do. And let's look at Daniel here. Daniel is a young man who has been taken away from his home in Israel, and he has been there in Babylon as a slave, as a person who would be there to do only the bidding of those who had captured him and subjugated his people. But in the midst of it all, Daniel stands up to the most powerful man on earth and says, now let me give you my advice that you have not asked for, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. And so Daniel warns him and says that tree that was cut off and the voice that called out the prophecy and the warning, it's still not too late for you to humble yourself before God. So let me just talk a little bit about what we're seeing here. And let's go to this big idea. Let's go to the big idea that we have to change our world no matter how much it changes around us. We are people that might think, well, every time the world starts to get a little you know, uncertain for us. We, we get so nervous that we just don't do anything. We stop, we, we wait, we, we, we grow fearful. And that is not at all what we see in the, uh, the person and the character of Daniel. He continues to change his world every opportunity that he gets, no matter how much it's changing around him. And you may be thinking to yourself and maybe even saying in your own mind, I have no idea what you're talking about, I have no idea how to change my world, even as it changes around me. I'm just holding on for dear life. I think there are three steps for us that we can see in the person of Daniel. And I just want to talk about this one. Let's talk about these three steps. First of all, we see this. We have to be an example. 
This is how we inspire change. We have to be an example. Now, it's very interesting because we've talked about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, it talks about Daniel being thrown into the lion's den during the reign of King Darius. But look at this right here, and I want you to see what kind of man Daniel is. In Daniel chapter 6, it says, At this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for a charge against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in Daniel because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And finally, these men said, If we're ever going to find anything has a basis in charge against this man Daniel... The only way we're going to do it is if he's got something to do with the laws of his God. Man, what an incredible testimony from the enemies of this man. He was an example even to those who weren't looking for him to be an example. Now, before I even go on any further, I want to ask you and I want to ask myself this question. Do my enemies think so clearly about my integrity and the truthfulness of my life and how my practice and my principles line up that they could say you know if you ever want to catch Randy and doing something wrong it's got to be about his devotion to God otherwise there's probably nothing that we can hold him accountable on and the truth is is that's not always true of me there are things in my life that need to be given over to God But I think all of us need to say, here are my principles and here's my practice. And how far are they apart versus how much do they line up? Because you see, as Daniel stands in the presence of this man, he says, I'm going to give you my advice. And if Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on earth, was probably looking at other people, he'd have said, man, forget it. I don't want to hear anything from you. I mean, who are you after all? But as he listens to Daniel He listens, and it seems to me that the Scriptures say that he changes for a little while in accordance with what Daniel prescribes. I believe with all of my heart that the reason that he listens to Daniel, the reason that Daniel spans three different kings from two different empires is because he is a man of integrity, a person who does what he says he will do and lives up to the change that he wants to see. And actually, that brings me to Gandhi's quote that probably you've heard before. You and I must be the change that we wish to see in the world. And as this world changes, here's what I would encourage all of us to grasp. If we don't like the direction that the world is going, what are we doing to change it? If you don't like the way that things are in your community, what are you doing to change it? If you don't like the way that things are in your family, then you have a responsibility to change it. You have to be the person who begins the change. If you do not, I don't believe that you have the, uh, the, the ground to stand on to make a complaint. If you're not living the way that you would like to see our world change, then why should you be able to complain about our world? You're just like everyone else. But we as Christians, we have the responsibility and we have the power behind us to make a change in our world if we will dedicate ourselves to it. And so as we move on and, you know, kind of think about that in our own world, I love this quote. I don't know if you ever heard this quote from Proverbs. You've probably heard this a hundred times about training up a child. Let's check this out here. But you've seen this passage of scripture, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. I heard somebody say one time, the best way to train up a child in the way that they should go is to walk that way first yourself. 
Because the truth of the matter is, is that most of us are parenting and saying, do as I say, not as I do. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be perfect, and I don't think that you are. I know that I am not. But here's what I would say. If you're not training the child to say, here are the mistakes I made, and here is the consequence that I faced when I made that mistake, we are not training our children to deal with failure, and they always will fail, right? I mean, you know that. I know that. Maybe in the comments right now, you would say, yes, I know I've failed. And here's the truth. It doesn't matter if you failed. It matters what you do with that failure. God is the God of the second chance. Amen? I mean, thank God that God is the God of the second chance. Maybe some of you in the comments right now are going to put an amen at God being the God of the second chance. Maybe some of you are like me, and you'd probably prefer to say amen at God being the God of the third and fourth chance, right? And so here's the truth. God has not finished with us and no matter what mistakes we've made we can still train up others or warn off others or encourage others to take a different path so let's talk about this we already have seen Daniel as an example that's the basis of his strength to make a change in other people's lives but let's look at this we have to be engaged we have to be an example but we also have to be engaged so let's go to this next slide very quickly if you can see this slide on on your screen at home you can see it here in the in the worship center you see that this is Belshazzar's feast uh, the painting by Rembrandt from all the way back in the 1635 to 1638 time frame if you know what's going on in this you know that in Daniel chapter 5 there is a huge change that goes happen goes through and happens in the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire ends, and on the night of Belshazzar's feast, God writes on the wall and says, you've been weighed in the balance, you've been found wanting, and your kingdom has now been divided and given to another. As a matter of fact, history tells us that during this feast, there were people at the gates who had laid siege to the city of Babylon, and the Medes and the Persians took control that very night of that feast. And so let's go to this next slide, and I want you to see something that I actually shared with folks. This is directly from the book of Daniel. That's from Lesson 5 uh, on our Bible study that we had. And I want you to notice this. Notice that Daniel was involved with King Nebuchadnezzar. You can see that here on the first line, Nebuchadnezzar reigned from 605 to 562, and that is chronicled in Daniel chapter 1 through 4. But then you notice there are a couple, uh, actually there are three different kings of the uh, empire of Babylon, and none of those three are even talked about. As best we know, Daniel didn't even have any kind of engagement with them. But then Belshazzar's feast that we just mentioned is mentioned in Daniel chapter 5. And Daniel once again comes onto the scene. And you notice the difference in the reigning years all the way down to when it happened uh, that he was there at 539, October 12th. We literally know the day that uh, that siege took over. And then we see that he once again was involved. Now, let me just say something very quickly. I think for most of us, this is not something we do well. 
The concept of staying engaged is not what we do well. We, we are in there and we're engaged and then maybe somebody ceases to listen as well as we thought they should. And they cease to pay attention and cease to think it's important to listen or take our advice. And so we just turn over there and we write them off. We're like, well, if they're not going to listen, I don't know what to do. I'm going to try to help somebody, but if they won't listen, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And then I'm going to judge them when they fall because they're going to fall. I know it. And so we sit back, we get smug, and we think that we've done something great whenever we've written them off and we've disengaged from them and watched them fall and fail and have all the consequences of a sinful life that we could have maybe helped them to avoid. Here's what I would remind you of. In Daniel, we see something totally different. It seems to me as if the young man Daniel was engaged and he was kind of the toast of the town. But then as we go a little further along, Daniel seems to fall out of favor and he's no longer listened to. He's no longer seen as a, an important figure. But then again, later on in a time and a moment of crisis, this is what happens. And it's actually detailed in Daniel chapter five. And I want us to read that scripture very quickly. And this is actually a longer section of scripture. And so let's read both. The queen... Hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, that's King Belshazzar, came into that banquet hall that we just saw the Rembrandt painting about. And she says, may the king live forever. And don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, who happens to be Nebuchadnezzar, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, who the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what the writing on the wall means. Isn't this awesome? You think about this for just a second. Daniel has been out of favor for decades. And then suddenly he is in the moment of crisis called off the bench to come into the game and get God back on the center stage. And he's ready to do it. He didn't say, well, where y'all been for three decades, man? I mean, I'm done. You know, I've had enough. I, 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 I was always available and you've forgotten me. Why do you call me in your moment of need? Daniel steps up instead, and he steps up, and he does the thing that God has called him and enabled him to do with no hesitation. Can I tell you where we've already been? Can I tell you where we've already been? We've already been talking about the fact that there are four soils in the seed, I mean, in the parable of the sower, that there is a constant reminder that all of us have been one of these four soils at different parts of our life. We've also talked about how we've had windows in our life. There's sometimes that we are like the window on the far right where we are shut to everything. There are other times that we are partially open like the one on the left. And then there are other times where we are wide open and ready to hear from God. And what is beautiful about Daniel is he walks off 
of the, the stage just as gracefully as he walks back on. And he says, you know what? I'm just as engaged with what God is having me to do right now as I was three decades ago when I was forgotten and left and not called for years and years and years. But as I stand here before you today, I want to tell you, do these things. And so we see that if we will constantly be sowing, we will make a difference as we reach out and try to change this world. And just by the way, to revisit a big idea that I shared with you guys back from the 28th in, in June, you can impress people from afar, but you can only make an impact up close. If you want to make an impact in your world, you have to get involved in other people's lives. You have to engage. You have to ha engage and they will know about your example. So the third step very quickly is this, you have to be willing to entreat. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't normally do this. I don't normally try to give you a word uh, that might be something that's hard to remember, but look at it. It's, it's example. It's engaged. It's entreat. It's perfect. You know, so I just had to go for it. Here's what entreat means. Entreat means that you are willing to ask somebody to do something and encourage them strongly to do it. And so Here's what is happening, and we've already talked a little bit about it. You have to be willing to entreat, and here is the truth. Daniel was a 360-degree leader. He and his friends, the three Huber children, influenced those who were beside them, who were below them, and those who were above them in their position. In other words, they would talk to those who were beneath them on the, on the importance ladder and on the, uh, on the laws ladder. And he, they would also talk to those who were their equals, their co-workers. But they would also reach up and say to Nebuchadnezzar, now I'm going to entreat you. Now I'm going to push you. Now I'm going to give you advice that you didn't ask for. You need to humble yourself. And here's what happens. Let me finish the rest of the story. I told you that I'd get there. I'm here. Let's finish this story and let's finish it strong. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. All of the things that were predicted about him, about the tall tree, about let the thing be cut down, but the stump remain, and let the dew of heaven drench his body, and let his eagle, you know, his, his feathers grow, uh, his hair grow like the feathers of an eagle and claws, and all of the things that were predicted. Beginning in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. All of these things that were predicted happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is this not Babylon the great that I have built as my royal residence for my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? You see, Nebuchadnezzar does not have a self-esteem problem, amen, right? He's, he's just fine. In verse 31, but even as the words were on his lips... A voice came from heaven and it said, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and you will live as the wild animals. You will eat grass like the oxen. Seven times will pass over you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all the kings of the earth and gives those kingdoms to anyone that he wishes. And immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, ate grass like an oxen. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. And at the end of the time, this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and I glorified Him who lives forever. 
His dominion is eternal and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All of the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the power of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand and say to him, but what have you done? At that time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were also returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. I was restored to the throne and became even greater than before. And verse 37 is the money shot. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Now, let me just take a moment and focus in very quickly. I don't want you to miss this. Let's talk about this very quickly. Don't miss this. We know as we look at um, Dr. Stephen Bramer from Dallas Theological Seminary, he says there's a two or three year period during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. I shortened it to Neb, you can see. There is no decree that is issued. So what does that tell us? That tells us probably this, that over the seven times that pass over him, I think more than likely those were seven seasons. There are two seasons in Babylon, a wet season and a dry season. And I believe that those seven seasons passed until Nebuchadnezzar was restored. Why? Because all of the description of his hair and his nails and all that stuff probably doesn't happen in some of these spaces or chunks of time. Maybe months, but probably past that even. And so as you see this and you grasp what's going on, we see that even outside of the Bible, we are reminded that God is in control. And the things that he had predicted for Nebuchadnezzar actually line up perfectly with history. But here is what we can learn. In the midst of all of the craziness that's happening in this world today, it is good for us to be reminded that all of his ways are just. And that he is the one who gives kingdoms to generation to generation to generation. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in November. I know some people are putting an awful lot of stock in who gets elected and who doesn't get elected. I'm here to tell you that's important. I don't think that we should, you know, slack off on that stuff. But I'm here to tell you that life goes on. If it's a Democrat, it's going to keep going. If it's a Republican, life is going to keep going. And I'll tell you who's really on the throne. It's not who's sitting in the Oval Office. It's the one who is sitting on the throne of heaven. And he is always in control. And he never ceases to be in control. And he is the one who looks at this world and says, I'm going to bring about my purpose in the midst of it all. And my people will know that I am in control. And so we never need to lose sight of this fact. We don't have to worry when the world changes and when it feels like everything is going crazy, God is still in control. Don't miss it and don't freak out like God has lost control. It's not true. The only ones who have lost sight of the truth is his people when we think that he has lost control. And so very quickly, here's what we need to know. Here's the big question for us. And I want to ask two big questions of us both. First, who do you want to impact? Do you want to impact your spouse, your kids, your friends, your, your grandkids, your work circle, your extended family? Maybe there's somebody that I haven't mentioned, but you know that you need to make an impact in their situation. Because here is the truth. I've realized as I've visited with younger people, whether they be my family or friends or whoever it might be, they don't grasp and realize 
the same things that I've seen because, man, I'm getting close to 50. And you know what I've always found? In all of those 50 years, God's always been in control. And I was freaking out about things that God always had. And I look back and in rear view and in hindsight, I see that God had a purpose for it all. And I was worried about something that he already had in his own hands that I didn't need to worry about at all. I needed to just be about God's business and not worry about what I couldn't figure out. And so here's what I believe that we should be doing. We should be asking, who do we want to impact? And then secondly, I think the next big question is, who are you able to impact? Because the truth of the matter is, is that you might be thinking this way and God might be lining you up perfectly for this way. And so we have to look and see where God is moving, not just simply where our head is, but what God is doing in our circumstances, because we are supposed to be the people of God that are making an impact on this world. And can I tell you one thing as we bring this to a close, right before I do the I apply by, here's what I want to remind you of. If God has everybody worried with the things that he's been allowing in this world, can I tell you that he's got people's attention and they want to know where the answers can be found. And if we, God's people, get so worried and so nervous and so out of control along with our world, we've missed the whole point of following a God who lasts from generation to generation in the first place. Man, we've got to come to him and say, God, this is all in your hands. I don't see every piece and part. I don't see how every part fits and fits together. But here's what I know. I trust you even though I don't always understand it all. And so if we as his people step forward and say, we trust in our Lord and he is the one who's in control, then we begin to point people towards God. And isn't it incredible that Daniel speaks to the most powerful man on earth and then he writes a story and says, everybody on earth, pay attention to what I'm saying. God is the greatest God out there. He's not even a follower of God, Jehovah, which is amazing. And yet he writes a decree so everybody might know because he had been humbled. And then he had been reminded that it is God who decides the, the, the path of the life that we have. Now, very quickly, here is how you and I apply this. Let's check it out. I think we need to write down the person and the situation that I need to impact the most. I think we need to put a name on it and an action on it. I think that's how we begin to make a change. I think that's what we need to do. We need to say, I am not a person who's just simply here to make it through this life. No, no, I'm here to make an impact and to change our world. Now, I want to talk to you guys very, very quickly uh, as I bring this to a close and then as our worship team uh, kind of leads us in a song uh, of just kind of dedication. But here is how I believe we need to apply this message and get a grasp on this message. Here's what I know that we probably don't want to hear, but we need to hear. If we are going to actually make a change in the situations that we have around us, it's going to cost us. It's going to hurt. It's going to push us out of our comfort zone. It's going to make us do things that we didn't think we could or didn't think we would be able to do. Because the truth of the matter is, is that unfortunately in our world today, it's become perfectly acceptable for us to be disengaged, 
to not be the example of how to live a godly life. It's been perfectly fine for us to make all kinds of mistakes and just say, well, somebody will do it. And we as God's people are supposed to be changing the world. Jesus said that if salt and light have lost their power and effectiveness, then what is the world going to be? That's just kind of a paraphrase, but what is it going to be? And what is the use and the purpose of God's kingdom people if we're not making a change in God's world? And in the midst of what we face today, we need to be reminded this is not about us surviving. This is about us taking ground and taking the light to the darkness. And in your world and in my world, what we have a tendency to do is we look around and go, somebody needs to make a change. Somebody ought to take some light over into that dark corner. And we wait for somebody else to do it. And that's why our world is going in directions that you and I believe somebody ought to change. We are the somebody. If we're not the somebody, then we've forgotten who we are. If we've let it go and let it say, hey, it's on somebody else to do all that. We've forgotten who God called us to be, who God's power enables us to be, and who God expects us and gave us an example to be. The problem for most of us in our world is, is that Christians have ceased to act like Christ. We don't go. We don't leave the 99 and go after the one. We say, you know, somebody ought to go, but I'm pretty comfortable here in the 99. The problem for most of us as Christians is we're waiting for someone else to make a change in our world. And I'm going to tell you something. Who's going to change your family? Me? No, I can't. I, I don't have the example. I don't have the connection. I don't have the, the voice that you do. They'll listen to you, but you have got to speak up. You can't say, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm a little uncomfortable. Well, that's what it's about. It's about being so uncomfortable that you have to be reaching for God. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, is I don't like our changing world right now because it feels like my whole foundation is being shaken. But have you ever had that experience where you're standing on something and it starts to shake and what do you do? <gasps> You know, like you immediately throw your hands out and you reach for something to grasp stability, don't you? That's what we do. It's instinctive. What is that stability? What is that thing that keeps us from being shaken when the whole world is being shaken? It's our God. It's our faith. And we are the ones who should be saying, you know what, Lord? Let my life be an example of what it looks like when God is in control and God is glorified and God is followed in every way because that's the thing that people are looking for in this world. Let's be that for them and let's be that example. Let's entreat them and let's also be a person who's engaged in their life and not disengage from the things that are going on. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless our time, bless the things that have been shared from your word. We see, Lord, that you don't even need a follower of you to gain glory. But God, how rough it would be for us as your followers to say, nah, somebody else would do it. When we can lift our voice in praise to you, when we can say, this is what God has done and accomplished in my life. When we can look around and say, you know what would really change this situation for you, my friend, my family member, my, my, my son, my daughter, my spouse? What would really change is if we let God have control of this situation. Let God be in the middle of this thing. 
if we start living according to his principles instead of our own. This is how things change in our world. It's you being unleashed through the power of Christ that has been poured into us. Please, Lord, help us to be your people, not in name only, but in truth. And God, may you be praised and glorified. And may all things that are happening today be things that grow us closer to you and get us more involved in what you're doing.
Amen, Lord. This is our prayer. It is not just a song, but it is what we desire. We aspire, Lord, to give you more of ourselves so that we can see you more at work in our lives. And God, may this be a song, but may this also be a prayer to you. May you be glorified in your people in all that we do. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you that you are worthy of this praise. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. And Lord, just make it something that impacts us and impacts our world. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone together said, amen. Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. God bless you guys, and I appreciate the opportunity to share God's word with you. I missed you guys last week. It's always good to go and be a part of another service, but there's nothing like being with the EHC family. So guys, I love you. Glad to be back with you and excited to see you guys uh, soon. Y'all keep being careful out there. Stay safe. And as we always end, you know how it is. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Take care. guys. Good to see you guys. Appreciate y'all being here. Thank you so much.